Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today is January 21st, 2017. And about three days ago, I published my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth on Amazon Kindle. And I am happy to say that as of, actually as of yesterday, the book reached number one best-selling in the categories of investing in the United States, Canada, and Germany. Now, I'm not really sure I understand Germany other than I was on a couple of European shows, but I'll take it anyway. And for those of you who bought the book, thank you very much. And for those of you who have not bought it, please do so. Again, Buck Joffrey's the author, and it's uh, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. Now, you can get that for 99 cents, and if you get it for 99 cents, I'm pretty sure it'll be worth every penny. But if it's not, you can hit me up for a cocktail at some point. And if you do like it, of course, write a review, because that certainly helps people to understand why people are liking our message. At any rate, uh, that's that. Listen, it's been an exciting week here because we started the whole Wealth Formula Investor Club with our accredited investors, and we had our first offering, and it was a pretty exciting time. And we're going to be real busy in the next month or two, continuing to have lots of offerings and opportunities, some of them from me, some of them from others that I've vetted. And if you are an accredited investor, meaning $200,000, a year or $300,000 if you're falling jointly or have a net worth of a million dollars outside of your personal resident, you are an accredited investor and you should join the investor club at wealthformula.com. Obviously, you can go to wealthformula.com and also sign up for the newsletter, which is great and keep you in the loop as well. So all that is there, wealthformula.com, sign up for investor club. Now, listen, the other thing is, you know, we have this raise going for the Hilton and Belize, and I want to remind particularly those credit investors who are interested in that. You heard Robert Helms talk about that last week. We are raising money for fractional ownership in about 5 to 10% of that property, which is a good chunk. And I think it's a really great opportunity, especially for those of you can, looking for something offshore, something that has a potential significant upside. And if you want to diversify your portfolio, make sure to get in touch with me Probably the best way, again, is through the Investor Club. And, you know, I'm not sure if we've had that webinar yet, frankly, because by the time this is played, I'm not sure if we've had it. But 
If we have had it, uh, you can still get a replay of the actual live webinar that'll have me and Robert Helms will be on there as well. Listen, one other thing I want to talk about before we jump into the topic for today is that there is another project that I'm doing that I think that might be of interest to people. And I'm going to be somewhat ambiguous about this. It's a, it's a startup. It's an internet project. You know, I don't have any investors involved with this. But I want you to understand a little bit about the anatomy of an internet startup. So let me give you a very broad sense of what we do here. So a friend of mine, Rick, who is my internet guru, and I think this guy is one of the smartest internet guys in the world, especially in search engine optimization. He's a guy I can tell you that helped me start my first business and frankly make you know my first million dollars. And he's minted a number of millionaires, actually. And... So Rick and I have become friends over the years, and one of the things that he does is he has a series of what are called affiliate websites. So what this is, is so for example, let me give you an example, one of his most famous websites. He's in the cosmetic arena primarily, and as as you may or may not know, I, in a past life, I was a cosmetic surgeon, but he owns a, an affiliate site called smartlipo.com. So he bought this some time ago, and what happens is... When people search for something called smart lipo, which is a certain type of liposuction, they search and his site shows up number one in the whole world. Okay, so what good does that do him? Well, see, a lot of doctors do this procedure called smart lipo and and they want advertising. So they pay him for advertising to be on that site and affiliated with it. And therefore, it's called an affiliate site. So, you know, these kind of sites can make a fair amount of money. So what we've done actually is we've identified a significantly up and coming procedure, which I won't talk about specifically, but just to say that since 2000, there's been an increase in this specific procedure of about 252% globally. You know, it's something that's pretty hot out there. And we happen to secure a domain name that is appropriate for that procedure. And I bought it last year for, believe it or not, just the domain name, $15,000. Here is the business plan. In short, what we're going to do is spend about $25,000 on search engine optimization techniques and you know PR and so on and so forth. We're going to get this site that we've built out that currently ranks about 47 globally on Google. We're going to try to get it to number one. And then we're going to have a, a doctors basically sign up as affiliates and advertise. And our goal is that this will be a site that within six months we'll turn around and put out about $20,000 per month in profit. Now, that is our goal. That's the anatomy of the startup. If you're interested in this, Rick is going to put some stuff on the website. Let's just call it the BBB project if you want information on there. And Rick will kind of update you on that. Anyway, long story short, this is uh, something that we do. There may be some opportunities down the line for people to get involved once they see how we build a site like this um, with some of the things we're doing. But let's get to today's show. So the inauguration was yesterday, and the world is uh, you know, pretty much the same. It was actually was sunny today in Chicago, which is a rarity at this time of the year. So you know, the world didn't end, which is what it seemed like a lot of people thought. Meanwhile, the Dow's going crazy, flirting with 20,000. Trumponomics has got people excited. Small business future confidence indices are off the charts. Enthusiasm has not been that high, believe it or not, since the raging Reagan 80s. You know, listen, can Trump turn it around? Is he the new Reagan? Well, he's no Ronald Reagan, that's for sure. But who knows? 
What I can tell you is this, that he faces substantially more challenges than Reagan did. Reagan did not enter the office in the middle of a giant asset bubble and a currency bubble like we have now. I mean, he had a sluggish economy and high inflation, but at least he had a monetary policy to work with to get things under control with Paul Volcker. Trump has a massive asset bubble and no monetary policy tools left to work. The Fed's rates have been near zero for eight or nine years, and we've gone through three or four rounds of money printing in the form of quantitative easing. For reference, the Fed's rate in 1980, when Reagan entered the office, was 13.35%. And now Trump's in a situation where he basically has no monetary tools to do anything. The only option he really has left is massive infrastructure projects. And the other term for that is helicopter money. Now, how is that different from printing money or quantitative easing? Well, the main difference is this, is when there was printing money or quantitative easing, whatever you want to call it, that money was basically stuck in the banks, right? And it was up to the banks to lend it out. And the banks just were, you know, they just kept it for their balance, for their balance sheets because they've screwed everything up in the first place. And then they want to just protect themselves. They don't really want to lend anybody money. So what good did it do to print all that money? And that's why, frankly, that quantitative easing didn't work. But when you do an infrastructure project, it's also called by some helicopter money. And what that means is money's dropping out of the air. Now you're not going through the bank. You're going directly to projects. And when you go directly to projects, you put money into people's pockets. Okay. And that will stimulate the economy. It has to, right? So, I mean, listen, there's a lot of good there too, because of course we got bridges falling down. We got all sorts of problems. So in reality, there will be a lot of good that comes from it. But what comes of it that's bad? Well, we know that with a massive infrastructure project, we're going to have more debt and we're going to have inflation because helicopter money, more money in people's pockets drives up, drives up the cost of everything, the CPI, and you're so you're going to have inflation. Now, Trump is banking on economic growth being so strong that it makes up the difference in terms of the amount of additional debt that we have. And we also know that he wants to weaken the dollar. And so we've had a traditional strong dollar policy, I mean, since the days of Reagan, but he has specifically said that he wants a weaker dollar. And why is that? Well, if you have a lot of debt, if you weaken the dollar, presumably you can erode the cost of that debt, right? So listen, it may work. Who knows? Many don't, you know, many don't think it will. But then again, who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it'll work. I'm an armchair economist at best. But this is a really interesting thing to look at. And I, again, and I don't consider myself an economist, but somebody who, you know, is sort of a amateur armchair economist. My guest today is a guy by the name of Lior Gantz, and he studies the economy very closely and has some very interesting perspectives to share with us, and more specifically, some different ways to invest in the economy. So when we come back, we will talk to Mr. Lior Gantz from WealthResearchGroup.com. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, 
and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Welcome back, everybody. Today, my guest is Mr. Lior Gans, and he is the founder of wealthresearchgroup.com. Now, Lior specializes in precious metals, stocks, the resource sector, finance, investing, and the economy. He's also a serial entrepreneur who's started multiple successful businesses. And he is known as a relentless researcher and delivers a unique perspective to his investors, which you'll see. And as a deep value investor, he loves researching businesses that are off the radar and completely unknown to most financial publications. So Lior is a wealth of knowledge and welcome to the show, Lior. Thank you very much. Tell us for our audience, who are you? I mean, what's your story? How did you get where you are today? Sure. I'm 32 now and I started investing at the age of 16. So basically I've invested half of my life and it's a real passion of mine. And between the ages of 20 and 32, I've started and managed uh, about five businesses. In 2008, when the crisis happened, I was in the environment of high-end clients. They wanted a real solution to finance because some of them have lost millions. And so in 2009, I started consulting and, and then I watched closely as the resource market was horrible between 2011 and 2015. And at the end of 2015, all the indicators told me that this is as close to the bottom as possible, but I wanted to change my approach and reach a greater audience, a much broader audience than just manage money for, you know, for a few clients. And so we founded Wealth Research Group with the sole mission of helping investors strengthen their financial fortress by understanding the basics of investing uh, with the timeless principles of success and then speculating inside of these amazing boom and bust industries where the potential is amazing. So the Wealth Research Group membership is free and on the site, uh, on the top menu, you'll see two tabs. One says wealth stocks, one says special reports. And for your listeners, especially because you've told me exactly the type of audience that uh, listens to this, I wanted to give them a great value. And so we've put together, we've researched 49 companies that yield a dividend of more than 7%. And we zoom down to the final two that are the safest and have the most potential. And I put that together in a report for your listeners, and it's on the website. It's called Income Champions, and they both yield over 8%. I think it's a great value because retirement and income right now is very hard to get in the stock market because interest rates are are zero or negative, and you know bonds are very risky. I mean, you don't want to loan money to the to the wrong entity right now. Even governments are at risks. Right? Yeah, what we talk about on this show a lot about is hard assets and you know real estate and sure. things that throw off cash flow. So <clears throat> certainly, dividend sure. stocks would be a cash flow type investment. You know, when you have a dividend stock that's throwing off eight percent, what's the likelihood of that that dividend is going to change anytime soon? It's enormous, and therefore right. you got to make sure that you find out not only that a company has a certain high dividend yield, but how the business is built to cater that profit build. So 
Not a lot of businesses can do that. High yield companies, what you want to make sure is what their payout ratio is. You want to make sure that they don't pay out more than 100% of their profits because, because that is unsustainable. So these two companies have actually raised dividends in the last few years consecutively. That Therefore, their profit margins are going up. Therefore, they can issue more dividends and profits. Second thing you want to make sure is what type of structure is this? And as an example for these two, one of them is a real estate investment trust. And what I like about those is that, for instance, if you want to invest in real estate, most of the houses that you can invest in are either single family or multifamily residential. But you can't tap into this amazing market called the baby boomers and buy a piece of a nursery home or a hospital. And that is something you can do very liquidly with a real estate investment trust. And we're working on two more right now that we're going to release in mid-February. And one of them rents offices to the U.S. government. I mean, if you're talking about a uh, a reliable tenant, uh, that's as as good as you can come. And the other type of uh, high-yield asset, uh, high-yield dividend uh, producing uh, company is a pipeline operator. So like an MLP, is that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be an MLP. It can be another structure. But what you want to make sure is that you don't have companies that are exposed to the price of the underlying commodity. Yeah. You want transportation. Yeah. Uh, Look, the guy who made the most money at the gold rush of California was Levi Strauss, who founded the Levi Jeans Company, because he was able to find something that doesn't matter if gold is up or down or uh, whatever is going on. He was selling jeans, right? Yeah. So pipeline operators or, or even transportation uh, like trucks, vessels, etc. that move the commodity, that is very stable. But like you said, this is only one part of building an income investing environment. And from 2010 until today, until 2017, I've uh, accumulated the uh, real estate assets in, in the U.S. myself because of the, price was, the prices were so attractive after the bust. Um, and so at Wealth Research Group and with our new company, Portfolio Wealth Global, we, uh, PortfolioWealthGlobal.com, we talk about the four tiers of real estate investing because you can get into real estate with zero money today and get started and start making checks of three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 because I've done that. And then you can go into level two, level three. And level four, which is obviously being a very professional real estate investor, but we talk about that in a series of special reports that we're going to publish between March and a quarterly uh, report that we're building, which is called Real Estate 101, the four tiers. And so that's something that will be uh, on the lookout here. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's certainly something that might be of interest. We talk a lot about syndications in this syndication uh, type setups here in terms of what I do and what others uh, that our guests on the program do. So people are familiar with real estate on that level and single family, et cetera. But uh, it's always helpful to to get a little bit more information. So they should take a look at that. Let's shift a little bit because I know you think a lot about the economy and let's talk uh, a, lo- a little bit about that. Now, with regard to the U.S., how do you think that the Trump presidency will affect the course of the global economy? Sure. I think I think there's good and bad. With regards to good, I just love the fact that he's going to cut taxes and <clears throat> deregulate a lot of industries that just need a real shave and red red tape. Um, and that is what makes uh, a lot of the uh, domestic companies 
outperform anything else right now because, first of all, cotton taxes, deregulations, and an infrastructure program is very favorable to the economy overall. Now, what uh, what can be very detrimental is the fact that you know Donald Trump obviously is a, is a very wise individual and he has 70 years on this planet. I only have 32. But what I can tell you is that I've spent thousands of hours understanding the fiat monetary system, the way that the U.S. dollar and all other national currencies are basically worth intrinsically zero. The only thing that gives currencies value these days between now, between 1971, the 16th of August, when Richard Nixon cut the gold window and any currency is now just floating against other currencies, but it doesn't have any intrinsic value of itself as money, as unprecedented in global history. That's why the Federal Reserve Bank, the ECB in Europe, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of China, they can all issue new currencies without any restraint. And that is very important to understand. That, that is what is causing debt levels throughout the planet to be unimaginable, right? Right. So what the U.S. does is it pays for their imports in U.S. dollars. So they export out all the inflation that they create. And therefore, 50% of the U.S. dollars in the world right now are outside the U.S. system. So they're not in the banking system of the U.S. There's no other country that has so much currency outside of their home country. And what Donald Trump is proposing is a lot of trade agreements that he wants to reopen, renegotiate, etc. That causes a lot of fear with foreign governments, which can then wire a lot of the money back to the U.S. banking system. Just understand this, 71% of the currency on this planet is US dollar. And if you send back a large amount of it, or just stop buying US treasuries, or don't come to the auctions anymore, this can raise interest rates more and strain the the real estate market because higher interest rates obviously make lending a lot less favorable to the consumer. It can deter the US government by making interest payments higher and then cutting taxes will be out of the question. It can cause a lot of backfire, and that is something that that's uh, uh, that's a wild card, basically. Yeah, uh, because yeah. the idea that the world's going to return all their U.S. treasuries, you think how likely do you think that really is? I mean, I know there was a lot of this concern, especially when you know there was this whole issue with what replaced ultimately the uh, the the gold standard was the petrol dollar, right? Sure. And yeah. uh, there was a big concern uh, with this whole. Uh, release of the 9-11 commission that the Saudis were going to release about, you know, what did they say, $500 billion in treasuries that they were going to, some, they never did it. And the reality is that they can't. And so, I mean, not to say that you're wrong or anything like that, but I'm curious your sure. your thought on that. My brother happens to be a major figure in a sovereign wealth fund in the Middle East. And and he called this before and he was right because I had the same concerns that they would sell the treasuries. But his point was, listen, where are they going to put them? I agree with him. Yeah. The only thing I'm saying is there is always that possibility and it renegotiating trade agreements and right. uh, dissolving 30 or 40 years of the same politics. It makes people fear. Just think of where you work. A new boss comes in and tells you, look, we're going to rearrange some stuff and leaves it yeah. at that. Yeah. Now that just creates uncertainty for you. And you start saying, hey, maybe I should just look at another hospital working, etc. So I'm not saying 
it's gonna it, it's gonna be an immense panic selling but it does create more uncertainty in the markets and that can deter big businesses from hiring and making more moves and investing in their business it can slow down the economy etc just that fear that things might happen it doesn't have to really happen and i i completely agree with your brother that uh, it's like a hot potato game so where are they going to put all that money that that is correct there is no market that can replace the bond market right now it's the largest market on the planet obviously outside of derivatives etc so um there's so much cash between uh, cash and debt floating between these governments that there will come a day that they will need to have a solution for this but nobody knows when or how this will play out yeah it's it's just it's just a huge whole overhanging cloud so let's go back and, to the trump infrastructure projects because i think that's an interesting point i've thought about that myself and my take is this is that Okay, the the Trump infrastructure projects are effectively what we've been talking about or the people in the government have been hinting at for a while, which is effectively helicopter money, right? It's skipping the banks and putting money into people's hands. And so that the printing of money never actually caused a significant amount of inflation. But sure. infrastructure projects are very likely to create a high level of inflation. Do you agree with that? Well, here's the thing. The Federal Reserve when it does a qe program like it did what it does is it creates new currencies and with those currencies it buys treasuries the u.s government sells those treasuries to the fed gets liquid they can pay their subcontractors etc that money trickles to the to the commercial banks and to the economy now that represents about 15 percent of the currency supply 85 percent of the currency supply is when you and i go to the bank, issue a new mortgage, a student loan, a car payment, swipe our credit card, etc. That creates more credit in the economy. And so when we do that, that creates 85% of the inflation. Now, since 2000, since the year 2000 until present day, there has been a huge wave of retirement in the US. While we were talking the last 15 minutes, realize this every 10 seconds somebody is celebrating his 65th birthday he's moving out of the work cycle and that creates a very deflationary effect because those people are liquidating they're not issuing new debts they don't need buy up uh, to buy new homes cars etc and so there have been a, a large deflationary environment in the u.s and that deflationary environment by the way is what caused the credit crunch in 2008 because there was no new funds coming into the to the economy by baby boomers like it was between the 80s and, and the 90s, the 1980 and 2000. So now there's a few uh, new converging demographic effects in the U.S. For instance, for the first time in 15 years, the 35 to 49-year-olds, the people listening to this podcast, are now the majority and not the 20 to 34-year-olds. So peak earners are now the majority of, uh, of young working class America. Every time that has happened throughout the last century, GDP has boomed, the economy has boomed, and that's because peak earners spend more and move the economy along. So that is very important to remember. And couple that 
with the fact that Trump wants to create an infrastructure program and infrastructure programs are, are very inflationary because, yes, they move money from the government straight to the American, to the public. The right. So, so to your point, it's a deflationary environment, which I agree that the inherent forces are deflationary is deleveraging costs of things tending to go down all that. But we've got these projects are in part intended to to promote inflation so that we can actually pay our debt. Right. I mean, we have to be able to decay that debt by by essentially uh, watering down the value of money through inflation. So what's yeah, curious that's... to me is when that happens, what happens with the Fed? Well, the Fed has to presumably raise rates, right? So then we get into this issue where we may actually have real growth in GDP because of infrastructure projects along with hyperinflation, or not hyperinflation, but accelerated inflation. And then the Fed has to react potentially with significantly higher interest rates. Do you think that that's uh, plausible? I don't think so. Why is that? It's Well, this is not the 1970 to 1980 problem, because when that happened, when Paul Volcker raised rates to 20%, the U.S. was the largest creditor nation in the world. Right. Now we're the largest debtor nation. Mm-hmm. The demographics were absolutely amazing in 1980 because peak earners were the mass of the economy. The economy was booming. There was so much to look forward to in the U.S., with regards to uh, construction and the car industry and, and technology, there's so much. It's a different environment altogether right now. So then what happens? I guess the alternative well, to that. Here's the thing. Let's say inflation picks up. The problem is the inflation is not only in the U.S. If, wa- if, if what you're saying, water down debts, this is not only a U.S. problem. This is a worldwide problem. The U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. And as I told you, 50% of it is held by Chinese, Russians, Japanese, Europeans. And so when the U.S. creates a voluntarily inflationary environment, that will hurt their holdings. And you never know what can happen. There have been wars and currency wars fought over much less. And the fact is, there is no way that a banker or a group of bankers or in, sitting in a room can dictate how much to raise interest rates or lower interest rates for the rest of the world with precision. That is not possible. So raising <laughs> rates or taming down inflation is very, very much a risky game. And, and so, well, here's the thing. A wealth research group, what we want to make sure is that you're responsible for your own wealth and your own funds. And part of doing that is making sure that you have chaos hedges, that you're protected in case another 2008 scenario comes and you don't want to create a problem where you go back 20 years in your finances, correct? Right. So in your view, you know, if you had to give us a sense, I mean, on this show, we often talk about the way of hedging, you know, a hyperinflationary or or, you know, whatever environment that you're in is by owning real things. What's your approach? If you could sort of whittle it down to a, you know, a sentence or two. Sure. Uh, first of all, on the 22nd of January, I will be releasing um, on the Wealth Research Group email, my personal portfolio for 2017. No holds barred. 
So that's uh, one thing that, uh, that uh, you know, any listener who wants to take us for a test drive and uh, will, can look forward to. And the second thing is, look, for myself, the most important thing beyond any, uh, any uh, great stock or any amazing uh, real estate investment, the first thing you got to remember is asset allocation, where your funds are divided between assets. And that's why I always keep about 5% of my savings, 5 to 10% in physical precious metals. For any case that those a real life currency problem will happen. Another, another portion of the wealth has to be in real estate, which is uh, tangible real estate. That is one thing. And, and obviously there's all kinds of real estate like land and residential are t- totally different things. High yield uh, stocks is another portion to, to own and to have. And then uh, what we call compounding uh, uh, stocks or compounding monsters that have been able to double or triple the S&P 500 throughout the last 40 years. Those are amazing companies to own. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but there are a bunch of them. They were able to be profitable and increase profits through 2007, 2008, 2009. So basically, not even the Great Recession made these companies slow down. And we have two of them featured uh, on that same tab called Wealth Stocks, uh, a full report on them. And then uh, because of what I'm telling you, because of the, the environment that we're in, where there's so many black swans, the resource market is very attractive to us. And in 2016, we profiled 12 different stocks on Wealth Research Group, four of them have gone over 400% in 2016. Three of them have doubled, and the rest have gone up uh, quite substantially, obviously handily bidding the the S&P 500. And the reason I think resources are so explosive right now is because gold and silver are uh, are very important, but I think also zinc, lithium, cobalt, and uranium, these critical metals are important for the for the future of companies like Tesla and the green revolution and solar panels and everyday items that we use. And obviously um, dealing with fossil fuels, uranium is, is another option that, that uh, a lot of governments are considering. Just understand that 75% of the electricity in France is uh, uranium based. 20% of Americans get their uh, electricity from, from uranium. $2.4 trillion worth of in- infrastructure is being uh, 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 invested in China to create about 100 uranium reactors. So that's another important issue. And, and therefore, these boom and bust cycles that these resources do, if you can jump on them at the right time, you can make uh, a, a lot of money speculating. I think speculation has an appropriate uh allocation in any portfolio in fact even the world's greatest fund manager ray dalio allocates 15 percent of the portfolio into commodities yeah well i certainly am a believer in uh commodities and precious metals and that that is a something that i think is a a a real value and you know i think a number um even up to 10 percent is pretty reasonable on that um the you know i mean i think I think the one thing that we generally talk about on this show is to, to generally stay away from speculative things unless 
uh, you know, it's money that you can afford to lose. Um, I certainly think it's reasonable to take some shots down the field, as we say. And, and uh, for me, that's, uh, you know, investing in businesses or, Here, here's or that the way sort of I thing. Look, but here's the way I look at this. When I say speculation, that is a general term, right? It's just it just means investing in more small cap companies. Now, the way we do this is we look at the people first. The people that are running companies are what makes uh, lemons lemonade, right? Right. If you've got a professional, a mining executive that for the last three decades has been able to build companies from the ground up, from buying the asset raw, a piece of dirt, finding the finding the uh, the deposit there building the infrastructure raising the money building the mine that is an an explosive wealth creator because it was a piece of dirt and now it's a producing mine it brings commodities to the economy and well obviously there, there's there's amazing uh money to be made if you can find the top jockeys and that's why in 2016 yeah. we've researched 758 companies i mean i've yeah. literally talked to 200 management companies to find the best of the best, and that, and by by doing that, you take out a lot of the risk of owning uh, small cap companies. But as as you say, and I agree with you completely, that is a a tiny percent of your uh, of your wealth that should be allocated to it. But uh, it, it can make it it can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what. <clears throat> If you give me some just for, you know, just for reference, it sounds like, you know, your portfolio has done quite well. Can you give us a sense of how it performed in 2016? Uh, I believe that uh, we we what, what we did was we calculated the 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 stock suggestions. But obviously we we do not manage money. Correct. So right. But when uh, we, when, no, no, no. I, I understand what you're saying. What I want to tell you is that when we issue a full report on a stock, a stock suggestion that goes out to, um, to our members, um, we just took the, uh, those stocks and we just did a, a from the day of the, of the suggestion to the top of that year for that stock, okay, to, well, to the 52-week high, and we reached a 187.3% rate of return. So obviously we don't know when people buy, when people sell, if they buy, if they sell. It's a suggestion that we make for consideration to our members because we feel that that brings a lot of value to people. So you're saying that, um, just for clarity, in terms of your, when you take your portfolio that you're recommending, you recommended in 2016 to buy at a certain sure. period and then to sell at a certain period, if people did it on the day you said to do it, they uh, potentially would have come up uh, 187.3%. Let me say that again. We only profile the company. We never issue an alert when to sell because we don't, uh, and we never issue an alert when to buy. We profile a company. Okay. We, can, we, we put out a full report on the company and you're welcome to do whatever you want with it. The only thing I'm saying is when we issued that report, if you take the price issued, on the day of the issuance, and then you take the 52-week high, yeah, it came out to 187.3. Obviously, I don't believe anybody can buy and, and sell at the perfect timing. And right. so, um, it, but it was an explosive year for resources altogether. Yeah, right, right. Uh, and along that line, of course, if you take gold, for example, it's the most, 
you know, a well-known thing. And certainly I, I own gold and um, the only stocks that I own are in, in gold stocks because I don't really generally buy uh, stocks. But but um, but th- uh, they did have a um, uh, they started out very strong and then kind of finished out pretty weak. Um, where do you see gold going in the next few years and why do you think it's uh, it just came down a little bit and now's the time to buy and maybe write it back up or uh, well one thing to clarify gold stocks were the top performing asset of 2016 sure no I agree uh, with that but I'm just saying uh you know they, they they started very strong and and they uh, and from September around from from July at the peak September was a very massive correction. And uh, after the second rate hike, they've started to pick up a lot again. They're they're almost up thirty percent in like two three weeks. Um, here here's the here's what I'll tell you. First of all, it's important to remember that gold is one commodity, one mineral, and there's there's many opportunities um, inside of the resource sector that are not gold related. Yeah, uh, that's one thing to even the even the the other precious metals, silver. <clears throat> has a very unique attribute to it with it, uh, with it being industrial. So when you when you mine silver for instance and you use it inside of electronics and industrial uh, uses, most of it is never recycled. You can never uh, get it back. That's it. It's gone as opposed to gold where it's um, stored. There's not much uh, industrial use for gold. It's stored. When you <clears throat> any any gold that was ever mined from the ground, it's out there somewhere. That is very different uh, in silver. That is one thing, a huge difference between those two. So you can see how there's there's a lot of research to do with on when you buy gold, when you buy silver. Look, gold stocks inherently are are very volatile and to the upside when you. Uh, when you understand when to buy them, and there's uh, a few technical ind- indicators that we uh, that we follow very patiently. Silver stock tend to out- outperform gold stocks within the, uh, the precious metal sector. Zinc, in my opinion, is the most incredibly bullish uh, bull market uh, right now, and that's because there's such a supply deficit that is it's not even funny. Uh, stockpiles are being uh, disintegrating from the from 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 the earth of zinc and two, yeah mm. and two major mines have shut down in 2016 all the while china is gobbling up zinc and the beauty of this uh, the, the real reason that zinc demand has has been so stable is because what what zinc does it's the anti-corrosion metal it, it, it's uh, mostly used for galvanizing and a third of the cars in china still needs galvanizing so you've got all of these cars that are going to be put out of use and the new cars that will come in china and india is the same thing they will need zinc in order to to coat them and and make them uh, uh you know fully protected from corrosion that's a very massive bull market um in zinc and obviously you know elon musk and tesla um uh, what they're tr- trying to do, and Apple as well, they need so much lithium and cobalt, two critical metals that are very hard to find and mine. And the reason is that when you find them, they're very low concentrated where you find them. It takes a, a, a pretty uh, significant uh, discovery to make it happen. There's only one lithium producer in North America, just to right. give you an idea. 
and Tesla needs <laughs> Elon Musk has come out right out and said, "Look, I need all the lithium in the world to make what I what, what the, I propose." Sure. Warren Buffett, Richard Bronson, Tim Cook, Larry Page, the founder of Google, they're all heavily invested in lithium. Um, and so it, this is something we follow right now. We've we've researched about 30, uh, 36 companies and boiled down to one company that we feel is like the most uh, uh, potentially explosive. We'll issue a report um, on the 16th of January. I don't know when this will air, but on the 16th of January that we will release a report um, on, on this lithium company that we're uh, wrapping up right now. Yeah, this is really interesting stuff here, Lior. Now, so Thank you. the, the um, um, you know, and I'm sure my audience is, uh, you know, this is pretty new, uh, a lot of the things that you're talking about, but certainly uh, in particular, the uh, the things that you're talking about with regard to resources, I think, will be very appealing. Certainly, sounds interesting to me. Now, where, where, you know, so you mentioned, uh, so the place to find more about you is on wealthresearchgroup.com. Is that correct? Yes, and I think the best, the best thing to do if if you're novice to the to the website, you've never been. I think you should click either the uh, one of the two top menu buttons, either wealth stocks or special report. And you'll find a wide variety of uh, of download PDF files, and when you download one, you'll get as, as a as a courtesy, you'll get all of them, so you don't have to keep downloading anything you like. You get one email with all the downloads, and you know there's anything in there because what I did was I made sure that I I didn't want anybody to start out investing the way I did on the hard way and alone and doing all the possible mistakes. So we have. Uh, reports about the five timeless principles of success and you, you talked about one of them which is called asset allocation um, and then there's there's uh, stuff for retirees there's um, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, reports about the resource sector and there's there's a specific there's a specific report about what I talked with you about which is called either wealth stocks those are the high yield stocks um, report or these select few companies that have been able to profit and stay profitable and grow and grow and grow and, and, and uh, really compound at, at about double the S&P 500, which is about 6.7 um, over the 200 and something uh, um, year time, time span that has been around. So these are double digits um, companies, which is you know, better than 90% of uh, hedge fund managers out there. Um, and it's also there to download. So a great portfolio plethora of information. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Liar, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been really interesting and, uh, you know, we learned a lot today. Thank you very much for having me. Folks, it is, it's really great to get some of these broader perspectives. I mean, Lior knows a lot about things that I don't know about. And he certainly provided you with a lot of information that you probably didn't know anything about. So I would certainly go and, and check out his website and, and certainly uh, his newsletter, which uh, I think is very popular. You know, all, all of this financial education is ultimately really what's important. Um, and it's once you get that, you got to start taking some action somewhere. So again, so be sure to subscribe to Leor's newsletter. 
and check out what he's saying. See if it makes sense to you and your personal investment philosophy. And if it does, then take some action. Also, remember, if you're a high-paid professional, uh, you can still go to uh, uh, my own investor club at wealthformula.com as we are starting to roll out some exciting opportunities there as well with regard to some developments, uh, which you know about, and and some other uh, projects as well. So that's it for this week's episode of Wealth Formula Podcast. And until next week, this is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com.